Welcome to Communitas Church. We are a group of believers who have been called together to love God and to love people and build disciples in the world around us, especially those with whom we live, work, and worship. Uh, we've worshipped now with through song, we've worshipped with our tithes and with our offerings, and now we're going to worship uh, through communion, through the meal. Uh, we've, we've been kind of going over this a few times over the last couple weeks, and what I want us to do here is we're just going to take some time. The fellows are going to play. You know, this is, I know that summer isn't over. It's supposed to be 80 degrees today. I, th- I think it's supposed to be nice tomorrow. So don't panic. We still have nice weather. It's not 30 below yet. But Labor Day certainly brings about a, this, this transitional period, right? Um, all of a sudden, leaves start to change. I mean, and, you know, a few weeks ago, we heard about the different seasons of life through which we go. So I want to just take a few moments, and I want you to reflect back on your summer and, and think about how your ideas about the Lord have, have changed and have been changing and are changing. Think about your approach to God and what that's been like and where you're at. And uh, when you're ready, come forward, grab the, uh, the bread and the juice and bring it back to your seat and we'll, we'll take some more instruction and we'll, we'll all take it together as one group. A few evenings before he went to the cross, Jesus gathered with his friends in a rented room and they shared a, a, a meal that was, that was common. And during that meal, Jesus took the bread and he broke it and he held it before him and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And as the night continued forward, he then took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this and as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So there's something really big that's happening this upcoming week. Does anybody know what that is? It's not tomorrow. Tomorrow's holiday. After the holiday, does anybody have any grandkids that are kind of dreading what's coming this upcoming week? Yeah, we got school, right? Um, If you're in the education system at all, this is starting to kind of wind down for you as well, and you're thinking, man. I had this nice little mini retirement thing going on. I got to sit out and and chill with my friends. And now it's time to go back to work. And some of us, if we work with kids, we've been uh, been involved with that. uh, Some of us, we don't get that summer break. We're with with folks all summer. And one thing that we want to do, we want to kind of increase our awareness of, is that we have things that are happening here uh, within our body, but we also have things that are happening municipally. Uh, in, in the greater world around us. And so while it's important to be, to be mindful of what's going on here, it also, I want to help raise our awareness for what's going on outside. So if you are a, uh, if you are a, a kid who's going back to school, if you have kids that are going back to school, if you are in children's church, Rachel, don't walk out just yet. We're going we're gonna to pray for you. Yeah. So the next part, if you are involved with our children's program, if you ever have gone back there and worked with kids or spent any time around kids, whether it's as a teacher, as a mentor, as a therapist, as a coach, as anything, if you've ever 
taken any of your skills, gifts, talents, or lack thereof and poured it into and lavished it upon a child, I want you to come up here right now. We'll just line up here. I want to pray over everybody. Bob, that's you too. So if you just want to introduce yourself and just say what you do with and for kids real briefly. We'll see how much microphone cord we have. We might have to have some people step forward. Okay, I'm Vern, and um, mainly a minister to my grandchildren. Solid. I'm Kathy, and I work with kids in their homes with a mental health diagnosis, and I also teach Sunday school and work with teen girls. I'm George. Um, I'm not currently doing a lot with kids, but he said ever. I've coached several different kinds of kids things in sports, uh, been involved in uh, Sunday school and teaching kids previously. Uh, expect I will again. What he said. I'm Megan, and I'm a speech therapist with Royalton Schools, and I've helped with um, Sunday school as well. Scott Hoffman, Sunday School. I also have to work with Bob Colbinson and Joel on the older board. I'm Jewel Hoffman, and I do Sunday School now. In the past, I did youth, and, um, and I'm a grandma. I'm Casey Wagner. Um, I'm a dad, um, but I'm also a therapist, and I, I work with kids, um, part-time with kids and then part-time with adults. Hi, I'm Lily Wagner, and I'm a mom. I work with kids a lot. I love kids, and I work with kids in Thailand quite a bit, teaching English and just play with them. When I came back here, uh, when I came to the U.S., I work with kids, and now I am a therapist as well, so I work with kids. And I will be in the nursery once a month. Maybe just step forward. I'm Rachel, and I have had some kids, and I have now currently lots of grandchildren, and I just like to hang with kids. And do you also do some coordination of our Sunday school? I'm doing the schedule. Yeah. Hi, just my huge. name is Naima, and I've and I've done it before. I've taught at least like five kids. And you're in school too, right? Yeah. Yeah. What grade are you in? I'm going into fourth. Okay. Where do you go to school? Um, Discovery Woods. It's really close by here. Yeah, it's very close. Plus, by. my mom's work. Oh yeah, there you go. Um, I'm part of the nursery program once a month here at Communitas. Um, uh, PJ and I have nine grandchildren, and um, I'm also a therapist. I'm Bob. I try to do very little, and I'm good at it. Thank you. <laughs> but you also mentor with Teen Challenge. And I'm Mike Gary. I'm a ride leader with the high school mountain bike team. So part of what we're going through in this series is we hear a lot of, of, uh, of Solomon and he's, you know, he's teaching, right? It's, it's kind of this end of, end of his life. He's, he's passing on all these, these bits of wisdom. And one of the words that gets used throughout scripture is this, is Kohelet. And it's this idea of a, of a preacher, of a teacher. And so that's something that that you all are doing. That's something that you're participating in is you're acting in that role of, of teachers and preachers and mentors for young people. And that's really important. And we see that throughout Scripture that that's something that God looks upon and finds uh, great pleasure and great joy in. 
Um, and so we just want to acknowledge you and thank you for that and then pray over you for this, you know, especially in this, this next uh, upcoming season. So, uh, Lord, thank you for these people. Thank you that they take the time to pour into not the next generation, but a generation, and a very important one at that. Uh, and Lord, we, we pray for our educators, uh, those who are getting back in the swing of things, that uh, they would know that they are supported and they are appreciated. Uh, we know that ideas are important and the way that we think matters. And God, we praise you and we thank you that there are people who are involved with the shaping of young minds. And we pray that, that they would do that in a way that, that honors you. And God, we're glad that we have so many coaches and therapists and Sunday school teachers that are up here today who are willing to um, spend time and pour life into young people. Uh, we see that you do this countless times uh, throughout your ministry here on earth, uh, but and throughout the narrative of of Scripture, we see this over and over again, the way that you constantly speak true words about young people. And so we're glad that we have people who are continuing to do that. And we pray for their, their year and for the young folks that we have who are going to school. We pray that uh, you would be a light uh, to them and that they would be a light for you to their peers and to their classmates. Amen. And so with that, if you are little, feel free to head on out that door. If you are teaching this week, thank you for doing that. That is a mighty task that you have. Uh, and, and so for the rest of us, let's get back into the story. We're going to be in Ecclesiastes 5. That is kind of in the middle of the Bible, page count-wise. Uh, it's a collection of the of the book of of wisdom or uh, wisdom books rather, and uh, while you're turning there or finding it on your device, uh, however you you choose to do that is good with us. So we're in this story, and this man named Solomon is he's telling the story. He's talking with some people, and. And he's, he's opened up his story, this monologue, where he's, and he's talked about, we see the graphic here of this notion of, of hevel, this meaninglessness, and this, this idea that life is, is a vapor. And the things that we have here, these tangible things, are like smoke. You know, they're here, but they fade. They're temporal. And then he told us about his exploits, all the things that, that went on in his life. And then we, you know, and he warned us against finding validity in stuff and status and trinkets and toys. And then in this part of the story, he turns and he addresses us. And so we find ourselves in the great room of the great palace, surrounded by the marvelous woodwork in his great mansion that took 14 years to build. And we notice that all the all the finest of things are, are adorning the walls. Fine craftsmanship. We've had a great meal. And we're sitting there in front of the king. And then he turns and he addresses us. And he's saying, guard your steps 
when you go to the house of God, to draw near, to listen is better than to offer up sacrifice of fools, for they do not know they are doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty or utter a word before God, for God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. For a dream comes with much business and a fool's voice with many words. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you owe. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Let your mouth lead you, let not your mouth lead you into sin, and do not say before the messenger that it, it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity. But God is the one you must fear. If you see in a province the oppression of the poor and the violation of justice and righteousness, do not be amazed at the matter, for the high official is watched by a higher, and there are yet higher ones over them. But this is gain for the land in every way. A king committed to cultivating fields. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This is also vanity. When goods increase, they increase who eat them, and what advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes? Sweet is the sleep of the laborer, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. There is a grievous evil that I have seen under the sun. Riches were kept by their owner to his hurt, and those riches were lost in a bad venture. And he is father of a son, and he has nothing in his land. As he came from his mother's womb, he shall go. Naked as he came, and naked, taken, and shall take nothing from his toil that he may carry away in his hand. This also is a grievous evil. Just as he came, shall he go. And what gain is there to him who toils for the wind? Moreover, all his days he eats in darkness and much vexation and sickness and anger. Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun the few days of his life that God has given him, for this is his lot. Everyone also whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil, this is the gift of God, for he will not much remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with the joy of his heart. And so we're there in the in this in the chamber. We're there in the room with him, right? And he's and he's he's telling this tale. And he's describing this God that's far away, that's in heaven, and he, and he's talking about the situation on earth, and all of a sudden it starts there's this this distance. You know, it, it made sense at first when we were talking about about the Lord um you know, about Solomon and his and his exploits and the the uh the parties and how that didn't satisfy. That made sense. You know, we'd, we'd read People magazine or we'd at least seen it at the grocery store. But now all of a sudden, you know, he's talking about how, you know, this doesn't satisfy, this doesn't satisfy. And now it's as though he's saying that maybe, maybe religion isn't going to satisfy either. And, and these things that are going on in the world aren't satisfying. And all of a sudden it starts to conjure up this dissonance within our soul and we're wondering about what's going on. 
and we've had these experiences where one plus one didn't necessarily equal two. We're looking around and we're seeing, yeah, you know, we thought that, you know, if we did the right things, if we had the right actions, that that was going to work. And so, you know, we we thought as we're sitting here in, in the great mansion of Solomon that, yeah, if we just went around the corner to the temple and followed the customs and the laws like we were supposed to, like we'd been taught, like we'd participated in all of our lives, that as long as we did that, we were okay. And now Solomon is is calling that into question a little bit. We thought that if we just said the right things and went through the right motions and did the sacrifices like we've been taught, that it, that was wasn't wasn't that what God wanted? Now all of a sudden we we get this picture. He's painting this picture of 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 God in heaven and us on earth, and and there's this there's this gap. And all of a sudden we start to feel real earthly. Real temporal. And we're going, man, what happens when one plus one doesn't equal two? When you, you know, when you do all the right things, you, you know, you, 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 you try as hard as you can for the, the sports tryout, the, the drama, the music audition, and, and you still get sidelined. You know, we have investments that, you know, you start to look around and you go, yeah, that's right. These, these people made all these, they try to make these really wise decisions, but then, that didn't work out so well. You know, maybe as a as a parent, you do all these things, you try as hard as you can with your kids to, you know, you pray over them, you send them all the right schools and they still end up going wayward. Or maybe as a child, you have this this hurt relationship with your parents and you do everything that you can to try to bring about peace and it just doesn't happen. Maybe you've also seen or felt within relationships, you know, you think, well, maybe friends, you know, it'll be, it'll be different with friends. That's a family that we choose. And so as long as I treat my friends well, they'll treat me well too. And we get into this kind of transactional thing. But then we've also noticed that that doesn't really work very well either. And then even romantically with boyfriends and girlfriends, husbands and wives, we think that, yeah, I'm just going to work harder, I'm going to pray harder, I'm going to try harder, and it's, it's going to work. I'm, you know, I, I'm going through all the right systems, I'm trying to do all the right things, but we still end up getting dumped or divorced and left alone. And even within our own faith, we see these notions of, well, I, I listened to the right songs, I went to the right worship services, I, I, I listened to the right podcasts, I read the right books. And Solomon's saying, yeah, you... That's, that, that can happen, and that's not the point. One plus one doesn't always equal two. And then, he's gonna, then he goes on this rant, and he makes three observations. He makes some observations about God in heaven. He makes some observations about us on earth, and then he makes some observations about how the two are supposed to come together. Verse 2 Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God, for God is in heaven and you are on earth. And if we have the wrong idea about God, this starts to sound like shut up and go sit at the kids' table while the adults have conversation. But this is the wrong idea about God. This is the wrong idea about heaven. And Solomon is trying to wake us up to this idea. And he's saying, I know that that you think 
that God is, is far off. I know that you think that we're involved in some sort of deism, this idea where God has created the world and then left it to figure itself out. That the carpenter has just left the workshop for the minions to play. But that's not what is happening here. See, Solomon was, uh, he was king during this, this time in Israel's history, and we see this pattern over and over and over again whenever we read the Old Testament that God was calling his people to be different. He's saying, I'm a different God than the other gods. I want you to be a people who is different from the other people. I, I want you to actually love one another, and I want you to treat your enemies well too. And this was radically different. But over and over and over again, Solomon and, his, and the people over whom he's reigning have this continual issue where they think, I, 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 we're just going to do this system thing. I, I, I just want to do this action and it worked well once and I felt some joy and if I can just do that and get to that place, if I just do this thing, if I have this object, it's going to be okay. I'm going to make it through. And Solomon is saying, there's more. It's bigger. It's greater. Look beyond the sun. God is in heaven. We are on earth. And there's this disconnect that's happening and we need to get back together. We need to figure this out. And it isn't about having a better philosophy or a better set of beliefs, but it's about right action and, observe, and, and being obedient to the Lord and walking with the Lord. He continues in verse, um, in verse 8. He says, If you see in a province the oppression of the poor and the violation of justice and righteousness, this is the, the poor and the powerless that we talked about earlier, we sang about. So do not be amazed at the matter, for the high official is watched by a higher, and there, is, there are yet higher ones over them, but this is gain for every land and every way, a king committed to cultivating fields. I don't know if he could paint much better a picture of the socio-political climate in America. He's painting this picture where he says, hey, look, there's, um, there's always going to be this, this system, right? And, and there's going to be government, and that's, you know, it's better than no government, um, but it's, it's a broken system. And he's making this observation that, yeah, you're going you're gonna to pay in, you're going to pay these taxes, and you're going to give this nice crisp dollar bill, and you're hoping that that money is going to go to some sort of greater purpose, some sort of, you know, we're going to, a cause, we're going to help some people. But what happens along the way is it gets passed from hand to hand to hand to hand, and every time that passes through that, that bill passes through the hands, uh, just a little bit of that t- gets taken away, and just a little bit, and just a little bit, until it's just two dingy dimes that gets passed along. And it happens on both, and I'm, I'm not going to point fingers at one political party or another. You know, you can pick your poison of, of who you think the bad guy is or the corporate entity that, that you see this happening in. I mean, just pick up the newspaper. It's there. And I love what Solomon's doing here. He's, he's kind of waking us up and we, you know, like, does that get anybody else just a little bit? Like, I, you know, you don't have to be political or ever watch any kind of C-SPAN, CNN, whatever. But does that kind of just get some people a little bit hot under the collar to think that there's all this corruption in the greater world around us? Like, am I am I the only one who's like, oh, this kind of, you know, we could do without that? Yay, nay, okay, yeah, there we go. We got one person who's like, yeah, I guess that kind of tweaks me a little bit, right? Like, this should kind of infuriate us. And so he's doing this and he's drawing us out and then he just holds up the mirror and he goes, it's, it's you. 
Like it's 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 you on a smaller scale. Like this this that's happening out here in this large world, that's that's a reflection somewhat of, of what's going on inside your soul. And so he makes these observations in the rest of the the chapter or the next uh the next ten verses or so that we all we make two different choices usually when we, we kind of arrive at this point and we notice these things and we, we can either be wise and live life to the full or we can be foolish and jaded. And he says that, you know, we can we can be satisfied with money. Um, and he talks about the people that, you know, it, it, and what happens is we we start to think, hey, you know what? This this money thing. This is kind of this is the way that I've, I've kind of see it play out. Is we have people that think, hey, this this money thing. I've had enough of it. I'm just I'm out of here. I'm gonna just abandon that. We're gonna you know head off into the woods or do whatever kind of hippie thing they want to do and and just drift around. And then you see the other people that that swing the other way and they say that yeah, I'm I'm just going to amass whatever I can and I'm gonna. I'm going to build my own empire and, and just figure it out on my own. And Solomon's saying, hey, you know, pick your poison. You know, there's, there are good elements to either one of those responses, but neither one of them is really going to bring you any kind of longing, long-term satisfaction. Because if you're going for the most, well, we've seen that the most doesn't satisfy. Solomon's like, hey, you want most? Like there's a, there's a large bottle of wine that has been named after me because of the volumes that I produced and consumed. You want to talk about most? I built parks. I built a huge castle out of you know, lumber that was floated from across the sea. That's not going to help you out. And he says, if you swing the other way and you go, I'm just going to go total minimalism, he said, that, you know, that's nice too, but you're still doing the most of something, even if it's the most of nothing. It's not this... It's not this pattern. It's not this, this system that's going to satisfy you. And so it leaves us with this question. And we start to think, okay, Solomon, like, are you ever going to help us out, throw us a bone here? And in verse 18, he finally does. He says, Behold, does anyone remember a couple months ago, Bob talked about this word behold and how important it is that when we're reading scripture, when it says behold, to actually behold, to look, to think, to say, you know, this is, this is scripture language for, hey, check it out. Look at this. This is really important. I really need you to see this. He says, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment. What? Eat and drink and find enjoyment, Solomon. That's it. Supposed to have some single malt and something off the grill, and that's supposed to like bring me satisfaction and joy. That's supposed to do it for me. That's your answer to all this. Really? Tell that to the person in the hospital ward who's been, you know, who hasn't known a pain-free day in a couple months. Tell that to the person whose relationships are another dumpster fire because they're being backstabbed by the people that were supposed to tr- love them the most. Tell that to the long list of people that one plus one is not equal to Solomon. 
Really? Eat? Drink? Find enjoyment? Give me a break. And Solomon says, no, no, no. You're missing the point. He says, behold, for what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun the few days of his life that God has given him, for this is his lot. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil. This is the gift from God. He's saying, I'm not saying just grab a meal with some friends just to pass the time. See, it's not the meal that Solomon is talking about, but this meal is a greater reflection and a metaphor for life with Christ. And he's saying, I want you to eat and drink with Christ. I want you to find enjoyment in Christ. He says, I, you know, I've, I've given you some, a little bit of work to do. Enjoy it. It's a good thing. Like, you know, you've got a job. Find some joy in that job. Might not be ideal, but jobs never are. Not this side of, you know, not, not after, not this side of, of, of heaven. Not after the fall. You see, yeah, work is a good thing. And you might not enjoy all of it, but hey, enjoy some of it. He's saying, I've, I've given you some, some things. Some of you have given more things than others. But you know, if you've if you've got some some things that you, you've got that you enjoy, man, use them. Allow them to stir your affections for the Lord. And if they do that, keep using them. If they don't, ditch them. And we continue to be drawn closer and closer to this picture of this, this meal, this life with Jesus, this ongoing feast. And throughout Scripture, we're, we hear these words of Jesus, and He's going to say, you know, I tell you, many will come and eat and recline at the table. And we read in Revelation, He says, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears My voice and opens the door, I will come to him and I will let him eat with Me. And later in Revelation, he says, you know, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. This is the meal that Solomon is talking about. He's saying, eat and drink and find enjoyment in Christ. And Christ is saying, look, I've been longing ever since the garden for you to walk with me. And if we look at the, the various meals throughout Scripture, I think, did we talk about this a couple weeks ago, what the first meal was that we read about in Scripture? So God creates... The earth, he creates the man and the woman. They're walking in the garden. Life's pretty great. And the first meal that we have is the meal between the man, the woman, and the evil one. So there is connectedness, and all of a sudden there is this disconnectedness. And we're going to talk more about the meals uh, in weeks to come, but ever since that time, we've been wandering around trying to get back to the dinner table. And God has been continually calling out to us saying, repent, you got to come back. It's way better. I know that that seemed like a great idea, but no, it's, this is where it's at. Come here. 
I've set the table before you. I want you here. I want life with you. It's how I've created you. It's the hole in your heart. It's what's driving you. It's what's robbing, you know, not having this is what's robbing you of joy. If you're finding joy, it's because you're finding this in me because I've created you for this. And so what are you doing to be satisfied? In what are you finding your satisfaction and your joy? For some of us, we're dining well at the table. And some of us, as Joel indicated earlier, are not doing very well. And so I wonder, what would it look like for us as Communitas Church to be a group of people that dine at the table, that walk with Christ? And some of us, man, we're, we're feasting. We've got it. You know, we've got the medium, rare, I'm a, I'm a ribeye guy, and we got that. I mean, we got a nice salad, not too much, but just enough. Cold beverage, good friends, great conversation. For some of us, this meal is going to look like that. For some of us in our life, our meal is going to be a dry-edged steak, some fine wine, a nice bed, and a long life. And some of us are going to walk this life, and the meal is going to look more like styrofoam and plastic. And there's going to be question marks about where we sleep. But Jesus is saying, hey, it's not about, it's not about that. It's about life with me. And so church, what does it look like for us? What's it, what's it going to take for us to, to do that? So if you're, if you're not at the, at the meal, what's stopping you? What's preventing you from answering God's call to say, come on, man, come with me. There's a great life here that I've created for you and I want that for you. Will you participate with me? And if you are, what is it? How good is your peripheral vision? Are you looking around? Are there those around you that could, that could use more of that? And how are you going to share your bread with them? One plus one doesn't always equal two. But we weren't meant to arrive at some neat easily solvable equation. We were created to walk in wholeness and to be fulfilled by Christ. Will we join Him? Lord, thank You that You are a God who is not distant, but a God who is near. God, I thank You that You are not a transactional God. We don't scratch Your back so that You scratch ours. Lord, but You are a God who has paved the way for us. You have created a wondrous world and You've placed us in it. And You've called us to be a part of Your story to redeem what's been lost. You're knocking on the doors of our lives and I pray that we would answer and we would come to this place of communion with you where we would sit at your table and join with you in the story that you have of this reconnection and the redemption of what has been lost.